Fly Life Podcast, episode 17. I'm your host, Martin Novak. What's going on, everybody? Uh, it's been a crazy week out here in Colorado. It was the Tiny Whoop Invitational, so just getting off of that, booked a slew of podcast guests for you guys. It was like the perfect situation to get people on the show, and it was cool to meet a lot of my past podcast guests in person for the first time, so stay tuned for that. Uh, this week, I have Daniel Sandoval on, the owner of X-Hover, which to me it was a dream guest. I've always wanted to have him on. It's a short episode. Daniel's a busy guy. He has lots of meetings, and you know it was hard to track him down to set this time aside. So it's only 45 minutes, but I hope you guys enjoy it. We talk about how we started X-Hover, the ins and outs of designing frames and motors, hiccups with the industry, gripes with the industry, and uh, where he sees FPV going and what he wants to do with X-Hover in the future. And thanks to Daniel, you can get 10% off at X-Hover with the code FLYLIFE, all one word, lowercase. That's right, you can get 10% off at X-Hover with the code FLYLIFE through next Wednesday uh, when my next episode drops. So go get something from X-Hover, because y'all know you want to. And also an update, that this is going to be the last week for the Wild Willy Dolphin Frame giveaway. I have everybody that commented and subscribed to my channel. Um in the running already but you got one more week to comment on one of my last three flight videos and subscribe to my channel to enter and i'll announce the winner next wednesday as well so hope you guys enjoy this episode and i'll see you guys next week we can roll into it what's new man you seem like a busy dude hard to track down elusive yeah man we've been pretty busy and 2019 i'm just ready to hit hit everything we've been wanting to hit like past years we've been playing pretty small but i think 19 uh we have some really really fun interesting exciting projects coming up with some big players and uh um, pilots and it's kind of all across the board so yeah do you think really excited do you feel like the because you've been around your first frame wasn't like the mxp 220 or 200 yeah, the MXP two thirty out of uh, G ten G ten material, not even carbon fiber. Yeah, the old days. That was what, like twenty fourteen yeah. or something. Yeah, around I think it was like I came out with that frame, or I started xhover.com, dot com. I think it was like around March of twenty fourteen. And what made you decide to go from I think FPV is cool to I want to be a business owner in FPV? Uh, I think it was actually like. I guess it was a dream, right? I had different businesses. I had a landscape business, screen printing business, and I was just tired of that, man. Um, and I really, really loved this hobby. And I had no design um, skills. I didn't know how to use any of that. And like one day, it's like I want this frame, but I don't know how to do it. There was other frames out there, and it's like I wanted this, but I didn't know how. So. One night, I just sat down and all night just started messing with the software, playing around with it, trying to source carbon. Back then, it was a, almost impossible to source a carbon manufacturer. Yeah, I remember uh, the G10 days. Yeah, yeah. So we got G10. That was the, the best I can do. And uh, yeah, man, we came out with it. And I said, you know what? This is something I love to fly. And like a couple of guys here... Um, I'd love to fly it too, so put it on the website, see what happens, and got traction. A lot of people loved it. It was something that wasn't out available yet, especially like six millimeter arms. Yeah. It became very, very popular just because it was extremely durable. 
um, back then it was like you got bigger quads, like 500 size, where if you look at it wrong, it'd break. Yeah, I remember. That's what I was going to say next too. Is like I remember during that time when, like, when the QAV two fifty came out, it was like, whoa, that thing's small, you know, compared to what we fly now. And like a two thirty for that time was tiny. Yeah, no, that's funny because we used to fly the five hundred, and then the four hundred came out. I was like, oh, that's that's a micro quad for sure. (laughs) Yeah, that makes more sense. (laughs) Yeah, with eight inch props, and it was it was fun. It was a lot more durable than the five hundred, but it just wasn't durable enough where you can fly confidently especially props too they were super expensive eight inch props yeah super expensive we did not have like the filtering capabilities to get rid of noise and stuff it was a whole different whole different realm of tuning and flying like you were just glad to be up in the air it wasn't like oh i got this weird yacht twitch like that wasn't even you know you couldn't even get that far in your thought process yet (laughs) yeah as long as it hovered and i was happy that was a great day for me yeah and so did you keep X hover as like a side thing for a long time. Like you don't seem like the kind of guy that would just put his eggs in one basket. No, I actually, though, when X hover started two weeks later, I sold the screen printing business. Oh, damn. Gone. I was like, you know what? I'm pretty confident in this and I'm going to make sure it works. I'll do whatever it takes to make it work. So I just focused on X hover a hundred percent. Like I'd say a month in uh, of launching it. So I just focused on it, worked day and night, got a carpal tunnel, but it was all good. Yeah. And, yeah. and did and you run it out work. of your house or out of, like, did you get a space or? Yeah. So I ran it out of our house. We had a rental back then, uh, ran it out of there. I still have pictures. It's kind of funny to see it, how it's turned into this huge warehouse now, but we ran it out there, did a, did a lot of binding flights because back then a lot of people and even till this day, a lot of people want to get into it, but they don't know how to build. Yeah. So we ran everything out of the house, packaging there, and uh, and then it's it's grown pretty big. And what year did you go to a re- or a space like a warehouse or whatever? Um, so we were in there in that house um, for probably about eight months since I had Xover. Then we bought a house, and that one had like a four car garage, so it was perfect. Then I ran it in there. Then it started to, everything started to kind of get cramped up in there. Um, and then having UPS, USPS drive up to our house every single day and neighbors thinking what's going on there. Yeah. We decided to get a retail space. And I think that was probably in 2016 or, t- yeah, I think I'd say 2016, early 2016, I think. Yeah, that's crazy because I feel, you know, 2016 to me seemed like that was the year that I worked in the FPV world and I worked for Quad Questions and that was the year where companies like split. It was either they went under or they kept going and that kind of happens every year I think in a way but it seems like every year that I look at X-Hover, it's like a bigger entity kind of thing. Like before you were just like a retail shop and now I feel like X-Hover is really like a thing. Like all your frames are signature models for some of the greatest pilots whether they're racers or freestyles seems like you have a great relationship with rotorite and everything and you're tied into all these things do you sleep much uh you know (laughs) sleep is yeah yeah Yeah, it's hard but i make sleep a priority because there's days where i'll wake up at one in the morning come up with an idea and i have to get on the computer but other than that, yeah, I have to. I have to get like at least minimum six hours. Yeah, and do you have? But a, it's hard because my family? mind is always fun with ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have two kids and a wife. 
So you got to yeah. like set aside because you were saying too, like evenings aren't good for me. So I figured you probably have a family that you set time aside yeah, for. It's, yeah, it's hard. And then I have other meetings, try to schedule everything towards the end of the day since morning is kind of uh, crucial here and yeah, make I'm sure everything's running good. I'm sure it's crazy, man. Selling stuff yeah. on the internet, especially FPV stuff, you know this didn't work, that didn't work, this motor's weird, you know, just all kinds <laughs> yeah, of stuff. Yeah. I used to do, yeah. when I worked at Quad Questions, someone would be like, yeah, this flight controller's not working right, and they send it back, and it's just like globbed with solder, and it's just like, oh, what do you do? Yeah, I used to, uh, we used to sell a lot on Amazon, and we stopped that just because there's a lot of people taking advantage of it, buy a frame, throw in a return it, and be a completely different frame, or motor would be like completely completely gone where it's no way like you can still see the asphalt just, in it <laughs> yeah yeah it's hard and amazon would always favor the customer which is fine but if they were to be honest and not send out different parts or different a different frame or something yeah it got hard that's i think that's the biggest issue it's just a small market where I feel like even now it's not like a huge market yeah what's your take on like a hobbies. number count for fpv like market i always ask this from uh you know business owners and whatnot how big do you think it is uh like as far as how many active uh people are flying right now like mini quads yeah like active have a set of goggles you know somewhere in that realm like there's not a bunch of like you know air blasters and jay-z fpvs out there just flying all the time but people that spend money on it yearly i guess um i'd say it's over I'd say it's at least over two hundred fifty thousand okay. people, for sure. Um, and then, and then you have the DJI market, yeah, which is in the millions. And we get a lot of customers from there because they'll look at a video like for from Jay Z or Blaster, and and they're in that they're already in that scene, right? Like taking video. So now they see this a mini quad, getting some really nice stable video. So now they want to jump into this instead. Yeah, and it seems like. So. X hover like as a company and a brand identity seems like a really good trend like from the DJI world to get into it because you offer the bind and flies I was looking all over your website and a lot of people offer bind and flies these days but they're not like you know you're basically picking up what a professional or top level pilot is flying fully built vacuum sealed and ready to go which if that was an option when I started flying that would have been awesome you know yeah yeah, no, I agree. It makes it easier for anybody who wants to get into it. Not only that, getting something that's been proven by a pilot that's going to fly good and not just random stuff put together. Yeah. What is your uh, process for, like, sponsoring a pilot? I mean, there's the obvious ones, like Vanover's crushing it, but, like, the Ladrib frame was, like, a whole new design for you guys, it seemed like. And what's the process of, like building the relationship with a pilot and then going into designing a frame. Um, so like a good example is Vanover, um, before he became pretty big or well known, like I just liked his attitude. I talked to him for a while and he was actually already an X hover customer. Um, he was sharing like videos with me and I just, I just really liked his attitude his style. And, um, I don't know. I basically want our pilots to have fun with our products. I don't, I don't ever pressure them like post here, do this or do that. Like as long as you're having fun with it, that's all that matters. And we'll send you, we'll send you out frames, motors, whatever, whatever you need. 
long as you're using it and you're having fun, that's all that matters. There's, we don't have any contracts. Not strict. Um, yeah. It hasn't gotten to that point yet, you know. But. Once once we hit that half million pool of people in the world, it might get that strict. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then we'll turn into like a monster Red Bull. Yeah. Bigger contracts with lawyers. Definitely. But, Royalties and everything. Um, yeah. Do you – and I think this has been kind of a common trend for you. Like you've seen people that were about to be famous or super talented before most people. And so, like, you just look for people, like like you said, you like Vanover's attitude. I mean, obviously, his flying is sick. That speaks for itself. But do you look more for, of like, a, their presence in the community um, over anything else, or do you try to factor in a little bit of everything? Um, you know what? Not really. As far as presence, I would say Drew is probably the only pilot that I can think of. I think Drew is the only pilot that... Um, the Zonex hover that already had a big presence. Yeah. Right. So I think Kevin, when, when he came in, he didn't have a big pre- presence, but he was hanging out with Steel and Schizo. And um, Vanover didn't have a big presence. Air Blaster, I don't really remember. Jay Z, they were just doing like, they were killing it. Yeah. Basically. They're, and they're I, all kind of doing their own thing too. Yeah, yeah. Which that's that's all I like. Is as long as they're having fun with our products. Like if someone's already using our product and they hit us up and they send us videos and we kind of review it. Like right now we're kind of maxed out on pilots. We don't want to take anyone else in that we can't promise. Um, like yeah, you're gonna get this and you can't get it because we have too many pilots, right? So right now we're kind of maxed out. But if someone hits us up and they're enjoying our products and sending us videos, in the, you know, later down the road, I might tell them yeah. if they want to be a team pilot. The roster is stacked right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and have you noticed different things like how much feedback people give on frame design? Like I imagine after, I had Vanover on the podcast last week and I just hung out with him all week at Tiny Whoop and just watched him function as a human being. And I would imagine that someone like that would have a ton of input or like, you know, how I want this and how it feels and something like that versus like, I don't know, I think freestyle pilots, once they check the boxes of what they like, they're like, okay, I can fly around it. Like, I don't have a race clock that's telling me exactly how imperfect this is. Have you noticed different trends like that? Yeah, Vanover, we worked with him and took like a few months to get something that he liked, adding little things to his frame and... Um, and freestyle pilots too. We had Kevin out here and he spent, uh, I think like a week out here in our shop for like the Stingy V1 and the Stingy V2. And we cut stuff here. We tested and just kind of going back and forth. That's, it's a lot of going back and forth, getting prototype from the manufacturer. Um, and then just from there, just once we have a product that's good, then we just run with it. Just roll out. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool too. I mean, I think, it's a pilot's dream, right? To like have their name on something. And we all like a lot of frames are out there. Great. Like I just built up the Skyliner and loved it, but everybody's like, you know, if it was mine, I would add this one little thing or put this standoff over here. Cause I run this ESC or whatever. So that's gotta be cool yeah. to like go through that process with all these people. And then they're like, yeah, this is my signature frame. And for most of them, it's their first one except for Drew. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's really fun working with them. And, yeah, it's hard trying to cater something to, to the mass um, where, you know, like, like for instance, Vanover's frame, we made it so it runs with race flight. But some flight controllers, 
are bigger or something like that and they don't fit in there and yeah. it's just difficult trying to check all the boxes what's and make uh, everyone happy yeah especially in this hobby man it's like there's so many factors everyone like if they've been they think they're a genius about it they think they know everything or you know like all great pilots fly like a ton of different frames there's not like it, this one frame isn't going to take you to that next level you're trying to reach it's everything else but yeah. People are so opinionated. Yeah, but we try to make everyone happy, and we take feedback, and we love our customers, and they want us to change something, and a lot of us is telling us to change it, and we most likely will. So. Yeah, and that's another thing that you guys are kind of synonymous for is customer service, which, like, hats off to you guys in this industry, but what's been some of the biggest hurdles of, you know, like all, like trying to please the customer all the time in FPV? Um, you know, I think we listen to the customer. Um, we try to get on emails and we have a live phone here where anybody can give us a call and even people that aren't flying our products, they'll give us a call and ask if we can help them with the beta flight stuff. And we end up helping them out. And by the end of the phone call, they end up buying a frame and because they love the customer service where they can't get that with anyone else. Um, there's a lot of people starting to offer it, but that's been my number one goal since day one, since I started just customer service and keeping the customer happy and doing whatever it takes. So, yeah. Been some pretty crazy requests and things like that. But at the end of the day, like we try to make everyone happy. And if anybody has an issue, like they can deal with me direct and be more than happy to help them out. Yeah. I think the phone part is huge, man. Like a lot of companies don't have that. And there's so many FPV questions that could be answered in like 20 seconds on the phone versus an hour in RC groups. Yeah. We actually prefer phone calls over email just because if you give us a call, it's guaranteed someone's going to answer between the hours of nine and five. Right. And if it's a simple question and they send us an email by like 445, we won't get to it to the next day when we can answer it right there and then. Yeah. If they're like 445, it's golden hour. I need to get this set up. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, moving away from frames, what year did you get into the motor game? How far after you started X Hover? And what made uh, you do it? I, I think it was probably, I'd say a year. A year. Back then, you had to have a lot of capital even make a motor i remember our first deal was with uh we tried to do cobra and we were selling we were already selling like sunny skies and cobra motors and to do a brand with them it was going to take a lot of money basically so then uh we did t-motor i think it was a year out i'm not 100 sure and we did that and i don't know i just liked having a frame with x hover motors on it so that's we've just been doing that forever now is just having motors to accommodate that frame and what's uh what's the runtime from like design to having the product ready to ship for a motor that takes forever because <laughs> uh motor i'll give you an example like we do our cinematics with t-motor right so if we need to order a batch it's a turnaround of like three months so if we're doing a sample, like right now we're working on a new motor where we got a sample a month ago, so now we got to test it. Then to get another sample, it's another two to three weeks. 
And we can't just get like a bunch of different ones because we're always changing the size or we might, it'd be, it'd be worthless like to get, like if we're just messing with the KV, but we already have the bell design, then it'd be perfect. We can get a big batch of like different KVs. But if we're doing a new bell design, then that gets really, really hard because then they have to do the tooling for that. So we kind of have to decide on it firsthand and then just a long process. I'd say the cinematic took about seven months from start to finish. That's and crazy. even then there was like some issues halfway where we had to change and they had to scrap a bunch of bells and basically yeah. start all over. Yeah, seven months seems like a lifetime in this world. Oh, yeah, it's it's really bad. I mean, it was like a point where like, you know, why even release this motor anymore? Just work yeah. on a new one. Speaking of the cinematic, what made you decide to make that motor? Because I feel like that was a real niche thing at a time when the cinematic style was like really starting to take off. Um, I've always been a fan of that type of style of flying, like since day one. It's just really smooth, straight lines, getting a cinematic look. And um, I've been on a couple of shoots, and I've always been inspired by the film gear and everything they're using. And I figured, like, we had this motor. We didn't have a name for it, but it was really smooth. It's like the cinematic. And then we were going to make a cinematic frame two, which I think we still are, just not not anytime soon, but it's going to be more of a niche frame for like people that are actually using it for uh, like a shoot and stuff like that. Yeah. That'll be it's cool. not going to be a durable, it's not going to be a durable frame, right? But it's going to be a, it's going to be a tool that if people are making money in this industry, it's going to be a tool for them to use. It's going to accommodate basically everything that um, like for instance, air blaster, he goes out and he tells us what he does with his frames and he does like commercial shoots and stuff like that. Yeah, dude. It's basically going to be it. a frame. Yeah, it's going to be a frame to accommodate that. We might even call it the air blaster. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I could see it like you guys have like the golden child for testing that kind of flying. <laughs> Every time that guy puts out a video, it's like, do I go out and fly or just hang up my gear here? <laughs> That's how I am, man. I'm just like, man. But I still enjoy flying. I try to fly every day, and even if it's line of sight. So That's really awesome to hear because I feel – like a big downfall, you know, that you hear is someone opens an FPV business and they're like, oh, I don't fly anymore. Like, I don't have time to fly. But it's cool to see that you're actually flying. And uh, even if it's line of sight, which is like Jordan Tempkin just posted about it, that's like a lost art that everybody should have is learning how to fly line of sight. Yeah, it's crazy because a lot of people don't know how to fly a line of sight, but they're amazing FPV pilots. Yeah. Right, so they'll see me fly line aside, and I'll just do like a simple flip, and they're like blown away by that. Like, how'd you do that? Looking at it, <laughs> some kids are sick at Call of Duty and horrible at airsoft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, how how long ago did you start flying? Was it right before X Hover? Or? Um, so I got a the whole thing started with uh, like quadcopters um, back in. I don't know, I think like 20, 2012. I actually had my first quadcopter in 2007. What? Yeah, it was like this huge foam one. I didn't even call it a quadcopter. It was called a UFO something. <laughs> that word but wasn't even I basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I bought it from a yard sale, and I couldn't get it to hover, and I wanted it. It had like this gyro that would spin inside, and that was a gyro. And I wanted to fly it so bad, and it just wouldn't hover. It would always, like, just kind of tilt. And it was, like, a huge thing. 
So I was like, damn, videos look so cool. Too bad I'll never get to try it. Yeah. So then I bought a RC helicopter, not a quadcopter, and I was flying that, and I put a camera on it, and it was just tons of jello. So I was just flying it line to side, and then I got into an accident where it's like, all right, I'm selling all the helicopters. It's way too dangerous and scary. Yeah. And then um, it's funny, as I was posting that helicopter for sale, there was a, I don't know if you remember a hover things. Uh-uh. Quadcopter. So mm-hmm. they were like, I think they were like one of the first ones to really do like a bind and fly professional, sem- not e- not professional, but like, like, like a really nice turnkey where it like hovers really nice. So I saw a video and I ordered it right away. I got it. And as soon as I remember doing the first hover in the living room, which is probably the worst thing you can do with the 12-inch prop quad, you know, so close. I like hovered in. As soon as I hovered and landed, it was like instantly hooked. Just done. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, yeah. 2007 and the gyro's an actual gyro. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's crazy. I mean, yeah. that's what, 12 years ago now, you started in 2014. I mean, the hobby has really changed a lot, even since you started X Hover. What are like some of the things you've noticed about your customer pool and like what people want and trends and stuff like that? Like, how has that changed over time? Um, that's changed a lot. Like, it makes it so hard. You know, that's why we probably don't mess with, like, FCs and things like that because the hobby is changing so fast. And honestly, I'm pretty confident I can get some uh, ESCs and flight controller from, like, 2015 that will fly just as good. Right? True. But it's things coming now that everybody wants something new, which you may be working on a product and then uh, there might be something else now. So now you got all that money tied up, you know? So yeah, I feel like that would be the craziest part is like trying to catch the trends and not give into the hype, but like tastefully pick your hype, you know? Cause some companies yeah, out there, especially on the other side of the pond are just like every month, something new, yeah, no. yeah. Which it's every month. It's maybe the same thing, just looks different, and that's that's the toughest part. Is like you have to really predict what's going to be a good seller. Yeah, like and what's not. People in car companies would be shooting themselves if they were like, "We need this new Camry by February, and then the new Tacoma by April, and then the next month that you know, like if it moved that fast, and or if iPhones came out every two months, people would just lose their shit." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's the hardest part. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, have you noticed any trends on like motors or like frame size? Like, I feel like for a while people were like, "Oh, the bigger, you know, the motor, the better." And then now you look at like people like Vanover and Johnny, and everybody's running like twenty two oh six, twenty two oh sevens. Nothing crazy. Have you seen trends like that or hype that just fell flat on its face? Yeah, there's been a lot of it that hasn't worked out. Motors are probably the craziest thing because you can have one motor line that has 2200 kV, 2201, 2202, 20, like little kVs that might not even, you won't even notice a difference, but it's basically all hype. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing. But when we have motors, we try to carry what I know and the guys know and like feedback that we get from pilots that like we're 100% sure this is going to work. We're not gonna. We're not going with like the huge hype of doing different tons of different KVs. 
Um, and maybe it's a bad business model for me, but it's just kind of like what I believe where like this works and this is more than enough and this is perfect. Um, and that's, that's what we put out. You know, it's like we just have chocolate and vanilla. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's it's the long so- game, right? Like then you build people's trust. You get that authenticity, you know, people trust your product when it does come out that it's actually better. It's not just like in a new color, but basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we want a motor that's going to be around for a long time. We have motors that have been around for like three years and we still stock them because there's people out there that still like that motor and still need replacements. And and if we're ever out of that motor, if we ever decide to discontinue that motor, then we give them an option like, you bought this motor in the past, be more than happy to give you a set of brand new motors like at a deep discount. Yeah. Or do you want to buy 20 of the old ones before we shut this down? (laughs) Yeah. 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 What would you say is your most common size in KV? Um, 20, right now, 2207, 2500 KV is like extremely popular for us. So that's that's like the common one right now. It's in a great motor like for racing, freestyle. It's like an all-purpose motor. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then when you're designing a motor, what qualities go into making it super smooth? Because like your motors and then like the old Lumineer, uh, like 2350 KV motors that everybody used to run just have this like certain feel where it's just like, almost weightlessness between the magnets. There's no like clicking or anything. You just can't feel anything. Yeah. A lot of that is the magnets, wires, bearings, and the manufacturer is like a huge one where like, we're like extremely, I don't think manufacturers like working with us because I'm just so strict and they know what I want. So if they send something, I'll just, if it's garbage, I'll tell them, Hey, this isn't going to work out. It's either you do it like this or it's, it's done. And luckily we've had great, um, obviously we work with T-Motor. We've had like really great feedback and I I feel like we've built a relationship where they know exactly what I want, where they've told me before, it's like these motors are ready to ship out. So I tell them to send me pictures before they even send me pictures. They know quality's not there. So then they tell me, like, like, okay, we're going to Ramsey tasting your food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they just, I never get pictures. Instead, I get, okay, we're redoing, you know, this many bells. Yeah. It's like they already know. They know what I want. That's good, though, man. Tough love is the hardest love, but. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And at the end of the day, we're still doing business with them, and I'm not mean to them, but. Yeah. You know. You're not actually Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. Uh, when you shoot for a smooth motor like that, like was that your goal, or did you come up with a combination that made a super smooth motor, and you were like, "Hey, we could, you know, purpose this for something"? That was my goal: was to have a motor that was like had like a nice linear curve, because when you're filming, you want to be as precise as possible. Yeah. So that that was like the main focus is to have a nice linear curve that's very predictable, and you're still going to have a responsive motor. Do you lose power when you shoot for smoothness? Um, it depends who you ask. Like this motor is more than enough power for me, but you may have someone that complains about power, but you don't really need that power, right? Yeah. So you can do a lot with an underpowered motor. It's just how you really use it. But I wouldn't say they're underpowered. 
or or overpowered i feel like it's a happy medium really yeah, it's just super controllable yeah yeah, that makes sense. Because I always, you know, you feel like a super smooth motor versus one that, like, you can feel the magnets clicking. It, like, for me, it was always easy to think that the stronger magnets just automatically made it, make it have more thrust. And I had an old set of Emacs, like, 2,700 kV motors, some, like, right after the Red Bottom came out. And it was, like, so notchy that it was unbearable. Like, yeah. it didn't fly right, you know? Yeah, there's some like that where it's like it's crazy. It's like it's on a gear and it's just like clicking. Yeah, like you're like moving a socket wrench around. Yeah. It's just like click, yeah. click, click. It's weird. Yeah. What about uh, future products? Are you going to keep it with like accessories, motors, and frames for a while? Or are you trying to delve into other parts of FPV? Uh, we'll probably do some other parts of FPV. But like I said, like right now we're working on a project for a big company where they need something specific and it's not like they don't own the rights or anything. So like if we see that something that we want to sell, then we'll probably put it out and, and it may be expensive, but at least people have the option, right? It's like something we designed specifically for them, but maybe the average person might have a, a need for it. Um, like I'll give you a good example right now. We're working on a case, and I've been kind of like posting on Instagram and stuff like that. And it's a, it's a huge case, but it's going to hold two quads, your charger, radio, like everything you need to go to a professional shoot. And that's some, something a specific company needs. And they're paying us to do that design where I think we'll have that on the website because personally, I love backpacks. But if I'm going to fly at the park, I'd rather just take a case because everything's just there. I can just grab it, radio and if I'm missing something, I can see it in the case. It's not there. So was you, and easier to travel with too, just in general. Like maybe not hiking down a trail, but like at an airport, all that kind of stuff. Just yeah, that's another thing. We go on trips too, and I I I've never taken a, a quad except for one time when we went to Catalina Island, and that was a that's that was like the launch video I did for the MXP two thirty. And one of the reasons is like I don't want to carry. A backpack because there's a quad hanging off of it or now tsa has to look through every pocket i don't think they do but they could if they wanted to i i we but. i just flew to kansas like a month ago and i had my first tsa agent ever swab each individual battery and like for me <laughs> and my girlfriend brandy and we must have had like maybe 38 batteries between the two of us from like tyrannus tiny whoops like everything yeah. and we were there for like 25 minutes and i was like this is definitely this dude's like first week on the job. Cause usually they'll just reach a hand in your lipo bag with one of those swabs and move it around. But this guy like pulled them all out, check the leads, everything super into it. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing too. And I think a case would make it easier. I've talked to people that travel with actual cases like DJI gear or um, Alta eights or stuff like that. And so it just makes it easier because you just pop it open. And it's right yeah. there. Everything's yeah. there. And they even mentioned that they were like, it makes it a lot easier for us if you have all the gear laid out, not like, yeah. not looking like a rat's nest going through the x-ray machine. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Used, and I used to think it was so cool to like travel with quads on your back when I first got into it. Now I'm just like, just the lipos, I'll check everything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to deal with it. Yeah. How yeah, high does it exactly. go? Is that a racing drone? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. The usual questions. <clears throat> yeah. Uh... And what about your relationship with Rotoriot? How did that come up? Because I feel like those are two powerhouses. 
Yeah, so Rotorite and Xhover own Quadbox, yep. which is a subscription box company. And that's basically kind of how it started, really. Um, I've known Chad for a while, and um, I've always looked up to him and like what he's done for the community, and thought he'd be perfect, like have him as a partner for Quadbox, and we've just been built a relationship from there. Has the Quadbox been tough to do? Like, is it easy to deal with manufacturers and companies to get that many of an item? It's very tough, but luckily we have a really great team behind us that, you know, does so much to source products and make sure products are here by the deadline. And there's been some close calls, but I think um, the team has done an amazing job and Chad's team and our guys here. So, And you you guys fulfill all that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you so guys fulfill the, from here. do you fulfill the Rotorite store orders too? Do you have that? Yeah, we do the like dealer orders. We don't actually do retail okay. orders out of here. We do more like big bulk orders that are going to big dealers and stuff like that. Oh, that's crazy. See you do have yeah. your hands in all the little cookie jars. Yeah, they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> what it what would be like your dream company or like product to work on like whether it was like a partnership with like an apple drone like a racing drone or something like do you have some bucket list goals you know like 10 year five year kind of stuff you want to do with x hover um you know one one thing I, one goal i have is or like one big dream is to like see an actual good x hover product like on the shelf of a target for a best buy but then I have friends that actually already do that, and they tell me it's the worst thing you could ever do. It's like a nightmare. Yeah. So I don't know exactly if I still want to do that, uh, but I don't know. It'd be, I, I it'd think be it, cool. It, it'd be cool. Yeah. It would definitely be cool to walk into Target and see an x Hover logo. And Just start making novelty T-shirts, not even drone-related, like fishing <laughs> T-shirts made by x Hover. Yeah, I've told the guys, like, let's just make some x hover hats, shirts, and we'll just go hang them up at the Target and take pictures. And Yeah, that'd be a good call. Yeah, just post that. That's a good call. It's tough, yeah. too, though, because I feel like staying genuine, you know, you can't just come out with, like, a product. Especially no, that's being the hardest X-Hover. thing. Like, yeah, right. like, I wouldn't want to just come out with, like, a toy, right? Yeah. I'd want, I'd want something that's, like, let's say you're flying FPV racing drills, like, you would look forward to go to Target and actually buy that because it's an actual good product. 20-gauge wire would do just fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some proper solder. Yeah, like I get Rotorite. It's, you know, it's not something I would get their Best Buy product. But to me, like the way I see Rotorite as a whole, it's a perfect fit. Like to me, they're like the introduction you get into FPV. Yeah. yeah. It's like when no, you I Google FPV, really cool. it's like Rotorite in your face, which is awesome yeah. because – like like you said, Chad Capper, I think, is a hell of a guy, and he's such a great voice and influencer for our ecosystem or whatever you want to call oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much so. I would say he's contributed to so much just as far as people getting into the hobby. Yeah, I mean, and his, like, taking stand on, you know, like, the bridge dive video and dealing with the FAA, like, I can't think of a better person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's, like, there's a few people in this industry that – you know, that I really admire and I look up to him. He's one of them. Um, 
Tim from Lumineer is another one. Um, Sergio from Pyroflip. They're just they're doing great things for the community, which is what we need here. We need like positive positivity in here. Would that be <clears throat> my last question before we get out of here? Was what is your biggest like gripe or you know gripe about FPV? But is more positivity? Would that be it? Um. I don't know. I guess stop changing electronics every 24 hours, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like it just moves too fast for no reason. There shouldn't be a reason. Like you have a flight controller a month later, you have the same flight controller, but it's a different design performs the same. Like something that's actually going to improve uh, flying characteristics of it. Yeah. I would say, but it's business. It is what it is, you know? Yeah, and I think it'll hopefully, you know, slow down a bit, like, as people get more experience in flying, because if you talk to someone that's been flying for four years and is a really good pilot, they're not very keen to change their setups all the time. They're like, this is my religious go-to, like, I stick with this, and maybe every six months I'll add a new part, but I don't, like, change the whole build, really. And I think as the industry matures, or the people buying this stuff, that might happen, too, a bit more. And it's starting to happen, I think. It's not like... Like 2017 to me was like, oh, there's another brother hobby motor. And then like three weeks later, you're like, oh. like every three day weekend in school equivalent was a new product from a company. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Makes it tough for everyone. Yeah. Sweet, man. Well, it's going to be a short one today. I know you got to get out of here. You're a busy dude, but I sincerely appreciate you doing this. And uh, any anything, you, usually I'd say shout outs, but you're your own boss and sponsor. So <laughs> anything you, anything you want to say to the community? Uh, I guess subscribe to your podcast and you're doing a great job, man. And I appreciate you having me on here and I really hope to see this hobby, uh, grow a lot more in 2019 and things go for improvements and really fun, man. I look forward to it and I love all the customers and can't wait to see what the future holds for us. Thank you.